And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to The Real Investment Show. Of course, it is Monday as we really kind of kick off the a, a full week of December here. Of course, Friday was actually December the 1st. The reason I know that wife's birthday can't remiss, can't can't miss that so yeah so you know 39 again yep, yep holding steady looks great it's all good of course that you know with my wife the birthday goes the entire weekend right it's not just yeah 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 you know it's not just friday it's saturday and sunday it's her birthday so it was a lot of servitude over the weekend <laughs> kind of glad it's monday and she had to go back to work <laughs> so <laughs> But anyway, um, last week, sorry I was out um, suffering from an eye infection, and I look like, uh, you know, Sinbad the Pirate, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, all better, back now. So uh, sorry I missed you last week. A lot of stuff happened, so we got a lot of stuff to catch up on. Um, of course, uh, as we get ready, we'll talk about that when we do our market update here in just a second. But, you know, we're getting ready to head into really a very important week, uh, really two weeks uh, for the markets. First of all, the stock buyback window closes this coming week. So this week, um, all those buybacks, which have been near a record, um, are going to come to a close. Now, the reason that window closes, of course, is because we're right on the cusp of now starting earnings season again. I know we just finished it, but we're about to start it again in January. Uh, so that couple of weeks ahead of time, uh, corporate buybacks, and this also includes insiders. So if you're an executive of a company, as an example, as the company goes into blackout, those type of things, you're also restricted uh, from buying stock. So insiders, uh, insider buying will also be cut back uh, somewhat as we get ready to head into earnings season. So that's been a big driver for this market over the last month. Huge amount of corporate stock buybacks, uh, you know, near a record. Uh, for a monthly basis that occurred. So that was a big lift for asset prices um, this month. That's going to come to an end here this week. Then, of course, we've also got the employment report on Friday. So if we see a stronger than expected economic report, um, that could certainly weigh on the markets as well because of simply the fact that the Fed might have to remain more hawkish. But then there's also Jerome Powell because Jerome Powell just gave a speech last Friday. Now, markets ignored what Jerome Powell said at, at his last speech, which was, hey, you know, we're watching the data and, you know, if financial conditions continue to ease, you know, that's going to be problematic. And he didn't say that in many words, but what he's alluding to is that the, uh, the inflation fight is still front and center for the Fed and that if they have to hike rates, they're still willing to do that. Now, the market completely overlooked that and actually has been pricing in about 130 basis points of rate cuts in 2024. Now, in order to get rate cuts, you're talking about inflation really starting to slow down, economic growth beginning to contract here a bit. That's certainly not great for earnings and not good for stock prices, particularly at, at current valuation levels. So markets really kind of ignoring what's going on behind the scenes to chase stocks at the moment. But pay attention to the Fed because everybody's expecting the Fed to be uber hawkish at this next meeting coming uh, uh, for the FOMC. And I believe that's Wednesday the 13th um, is their next meeting. And so at that presser, 
you know, Jerome Powell could very well come out and say something a bit more on the hawkish side to try to get markets back under control here a bit. So again, you know, pay attention to that. We have the employment report. We've got a Fed meeting coming up. Blackout window coming in, of course, as we've been talking about now. Really, this week and next week, mutual fund distributions are going to weigh on the markets as well because, again, they've got to distribute capital gains, interest, and dividends for the year. So that's going to also provide some additional selling pressure in the market. So the point here is simply this, is, is that you know, be a little bit cautious being overly bullish here. And as we're going to talk about here in just a sec, markets are a bit extreme. But again, lots of stuff to catch up on um, you know, after the last week or so. Uh, but again, we're starting to head in that last couple of weeks of December. Now, look, the bullish, the, the bullish trend is still there. Absolutely. Uh, so let's keep a watch on that. Now, let's talk about some of the markets. Here's what you need to know before the bell this morning. Let's start with the S&P. Uh, S&P has had just a terrific run. We're now two standard deviations above the 50-day moving average. That's getting a little bit extreme here. Again, and, and normally when markets start to trade at these levels, you're going to get a bit of a pullback. Markets are overbought, and we're very close now to triggering a MACD sell signal. So again, markets are looking to open a little bit weak this morning. Uh, a couple of days of weakness here in the market is going to trigger that MACD sell signal, and that's going to put, put some more downward pressure on asset prices. So again, looking for a correction here back to some level of support, probably around 4340-ish, 4350-ish on the S&P would not be surprising before you kind of get that last week of the rally uh, for, for the Santa Claus rally. Uh, the NASDAQ has been under a good bit of pressure, um, you know, in terms of the MAG-7. The MAG-7, the MAG you know, has, has been the leader of this market most of the year. But over the last couple of weeks, the bottom 493 stocks actually outperformed the NASDAQ. So again, NASDAQ still overbought here, but it is now triggering actually a sell signal. It is very close here to, to a, an official trigger. So keep a watch on that because, again, those, ma those Magnificent Seven, which have led the market this entire year. Now, again, look, those stocks are way ahead of everything else. But you're starting to see some rotation from those stocks into other areas of the market. We saw, you know, over the last uh, month, uh, the S&P was up about 9%. Uh, the RSP was up 10%. So the equal weighted index was up more than the actual market cap weighted index. And that, that was because of that lag that we had coming in from those magnificent seven stocks is the bottom 493 actually played a little bit of catch up over the last month. But again, you know, with that starting to settle in on a sell signal, we may see some more pressure in those magnificent seven stocks um, as the market starts to be in, uh, begin some type of correction here. We'll see what happens and kind of where money flows to. Speaking of RSP, and again, this is something that we've talked about, RSP now, because of that rally, is, is, is well in this two, two standard deviation territory. Uh, overbought. So again, market had a great return over the last month. Those, those stocks that have lagged all year long finally got some buying, but that's now gone a little bit too far too fast here. So again, expecting a pullback in those bottom 493 stocks as well. So it won't be it'll probably be more, a broader economic pullback, uh, sorry, market pullback uh, when we get this next time to sell cycle because of simply the fact that everything moved at one time. Speaking of everything moving at one time, that goes into gold as well, uh, and crude oil also. Uh, but taking a look at gold, gold uh, punched well into two standard deviation territory on Friday, uh, pulling back here a bit, but again, very elevated on, on a couple of different levels. So gold, if you've been long gold here, great run over the last month. Again, with the rest of the market, everything else running all at one time. There was this, uh, you know, following that, August, September, October sell-off, which put a lot of assets under pressure. 
money just flowed into everything all at one time. So this everything rally has gone too far too fast. So again, great rally here, but don't forget to take some profits. And that, that really kind of goes on a couple of different levels as well. Bitcoin's had a huge rally. It's pushing up to two standard deviation territory as well. Uh, went from basically about 26,000 to 40,000 in just a month. So again, great run on cryptocurrencies and now all the bulls are back out and of course now the you know, headlines this morning crypto is going to 100,000 we've seen so many of those headlines just kind of fade those uh, great rally here if you're long bitcoin hey great time to take a little bit of money off the table when you get a pullback but you probably will to the mid 30s then you can buy some more back and, and trade the next rally um, Bitcoin is, is not as overbought as other, in, uh, as other assets, but again, still a very big move in a very short time. Um, bonds also have had just a, a great move. We're up into two standard deviation territory, um, very extended here on a couple of different fronts. Yields have fallen sharply over the last month. Again, take some profits, look for better opportunity. All this is going to work out. Um, you'll get a pullback here. You'll get a better opportunity to put some capital to work. So again, just kind of pay attention. Markets very overbought. We're set for a correction of some sort. All we need is a trigger. What's that going to be? I have no idea, but it'll happen. So that's what you need to know before the bell this morning. When we come back from the break, lots of stuff to catch up on from last week. So again, I'll get, I'll get with you on that right after the break. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. tell when rich is here everything's set to short person mode he deserves it after picking on me all week last week so just saying uh so look uh, just talking about a couple of things here uh, again you know it's been a great rally for the markets and again you know if we go back to october you know we were talking about the markets in october being very over uh, very oversold Everybody was super negative. The bear market's back. Nothing's working. You know, it's terrible, blah, 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 right? So this is the, you know, kind of that environment where you get a rally. But but we were talking about getting a rally in October and, and again, a lot of pushbacks. Like, the market's not going to rally. You know, this isn't going to happen. This year's different. This time's different. And then you have this very explosive rally in November, which kind of caught everybody flat-footed. Now you see retail investors are, you know, it's like look at the, the, the Reddit trades and those type of things. Those have been, over the last couple of weeks, you know, late getting into the rally, but they've had a big move. ARC is a good example. Kathy Wood um, and her ARC ETF had one of his best months ever for the fund um, as people were chasing those kind of beaten up out of favor names but again that's that's the type of rally you get when you get these very explosive moves in the markets but you know this is you know but and this is where investors now go well now nothing's going to stop this rally this rally is just going to go on you know it doesn't matter what the fed says you know it's just onward and upward from here goldman sachs coming out and pegging higher earnings targets on for the S&P, you know, uh, pegging higher markets, uh, market targets for the S&P. And look, markets will probably go higher here. Um, there's nothing really at the moment that is, is worrisome to a great degree. Yeah, there's, you know, again, you know, I'm not dismissing inverted yield curves and those type of things. But at the moment, in the, in the short term, economic data is doing okay. 
There's nothing out there that suggests we're going to have a recession starting next month. Now, anything can happen, and this is why we have to pay attention to what the markets are doing, but you know, there's a lot of negative attitudes at the moment suggesting that oh, next year is going to be terrible, but there's not really any evidence of that unless the Fed comes out and does something entirely unexpected and starts you know, continuing rate hikes, hikes another you know, 25, 50, 100 basis points. Then that's going to be problematic. We'll see. But it also doesn't mean that stocks just go, as we said, just don't just keep going straight up. You know, you're going to get a correction at, you know, and probably sooner rather than later now, get some type of pullback in the market that'll give you a better opportunity to put some capital to work if you're just patient. You haven't missed anything. And, you know, this is this is kind of the you know, the important cycle. Yes, we're at, you know, we close Friday right at this year's highs. Now, that's good, right? That's that's great. You know, we've recovered all that we lost in June, July, August, September, October, and we're right back to where we were this year in, in, in July at the July highs. So that's good. But we're not above the all-time highs in January of 2022. We're about to go into January of 2024. And, you know, this is an important fact that... You know, we've talked about here on the show before, and it was interesting. I made this comment on Twitter um, on Friday. Actually, on Thursday, I'm sorry, on Thursday. Because on Thursday, November the 30th, the market closed at exactly, well, not exactly. It was 0.8 tenths of a point different from where it closed November 30th of 2021. So for two years, the market went nowhere. Now, we're still not at all-time highs. We're still lower than we were. Right now, we're still lower than we were in January of 2022. The important part about that is that you have made no money over the last two years in the markets. Now, this is on a buy-and-hold basis. And this is always the important thing that people forget. So if you're, you know, this is where we talk about financial planning. We talk about these other, these other things that we do. And, you know, a lot of online calculators and, you know, a lot of people I talk with, they say, well, you know, if I just get 6% a year, I'm going to make, you know, whatever the number is. By the time I retire, I'm going to be fine. Well, the problem is you don't make 6% every single year. Markets don't compound. And the problem, and of course, you know, I, I put this out on Twitter and I said, uh, just proof here that markets don't compound. It's been two years of zero returns. This was on Thursday. And immediately everybody comes out and says, yeah, well, you had a great rally this year. It's made up for it. No, didn't. And here's why. If I needed 6% or 8%, whatever your number was in 2021, and I needed another 8% in 2022, and I'm just now back to where I was, right? That's fine. I've had no return. I've spent all year making up losses. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that, right? But I've those two years of 8% growth that I didn't get, I now have to make up. So it's 8% from the year before last. It's 8% from last year. So now next year, I've got to make 8% plus 8% plus 8%, right? just to get back onto my goal. And this is the problem with all these ca online calculators and everything else that say, oh, just you know, plug in your annual rate, expected rate of return, 
and you know you'll have a 98% chance of success of retirement and, and it all sounds great but probably these markets don't work like that and so perspective as we've talked about before is always extremely important yes the markets have done great this year but they are only making up losses and what's interesting is is that in 2022 the market was only down you know only down it was down about 18 and a half percent ish after dividends the average retail investor was down about 35. So for them, the market index and what's going on and what happened in their portfolio are two very different things. And this is and this is because the route the decline in 2022 was mitigated by the Magnificent Seven. They held up the markets. This year they led the markets. So if you weren't just invested in seven stocks, you likely had far worse returns in 2022 and mediocre returns in 2023. Makes a big difference for your plan, turns out. And this is why, you know, when you have these big rallies, it's important to understand that, you know, you're going to get a correction of some sort. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, it's always interesting um, you know, I've talked about before, I do kind of a weekly spot on, on Fox Business News with Charles Payne, and, and it's always interesting because he's always very bullish and, and very optimistic, as he should be because he's in the media, right? So, you know, it, it's, it's important when you're in the media to be bullish because people want to listen to optimistic, bullish stuff, and that's great. And so it's always interesting if I say something like, hey, you know, we're going to have a, you know, we're, we're due for a correction, those type of things. It's to me like, oh, well, you're, you're, why are you so bearish on stocks? Like, oh, I'm not being bearish. It's just that nothing goes straight up forever. You're going to get pullbacks, which will give you a better opportunity to put some capital to work, right? And that's what we're talking about here. You know, the markets have gone very far, very quickly. You're going to get some type of correction. And when you get that correction, you're going to get a lot of bearish headlines coming out for whatever reason. Whatever's causing the correction is going to be met with bullet with bearish headlines. And it's going to be important to realize we're just going through a correction correctional cycle. It's not the beginning of the next bear market, so don't go make any extreme changes. But have some extra, you know, this is why you want to take some profits now, raise a little bit of cash, and when you get that pullback, then put that cash to work. So if you, you know, if you want to buy some more Apple or whatever, then you can do that. Right? Whatever stock you want to buy. And markets are going to rotate as we go into next year. You know, what worked this year may not work next year. What didn't work this year, like healthcare, may be the leaders next year. You know, outside of the couple of companies that are in the healthcare space, like Eli Lilly that make these uh, weight loss drugs, healthcare in general did not do well this year. It may do great next year. Markets tend to rotate like that right energy didn't do great this year but it did great last year <laughs> so and this is why you know one thing we talked about before is always be careful about chasing last year's performers right it's like oh man energy did great in 2022 i got to get into it because you know it's it's it just did fantastic right and, and this is kind of this theme that we go through every year you know uh, i need to buy gold miners because they did great last year and then they do terrible this year whatever it is right there's generally chasing last year's best performing class is is not really a great idea that doesn't mean you have to go sell last year's best performing asset class either but just expect there to be a degree of underperformance in the coming year if they were last year's leader if they were last year's laggard i would expect a year of outperformance 
But again, some of that has to do with what's going on economically, what's going on with interest rates. You know, there's uh, obviously an issue with commercial real estate. So, you know, real estate's been under pressure in general. And generally, when you have something under pressure, it's kind of baby out with a bathwater. The entire sector does poorly. But again, that will change. And real estate's going to be a great performer at some point. So this is why you always have to kind of think ahead you know, don't focus about what happened. You know, what happened in the past is irrelevant. It's over. Can't change it. Can't do anything about it. But be be aware as you move forward of avoiding last year's underperformers. Oh, that did terrible last year. I don't want to own it. I want to own what did great last year. And this is what most investors do: is they you know they jump from whatever the hot performing fund fund was last year. They want to go pile into that mutual fund or that ETF, whatever it is. So they want to chase that just about the time that that rotates into being an underperformer, right? So just be a little bit cautious here. But there are certainly some uh, interesting rotations that are occurring right now. And the question is whether or not they're sustainable. And and uh, we'll talk about a couple of things when we come back from the break. So thanks for joining us this morning. We'll be right back after the break on The Real Investment Show. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com so as we kind of get ready to wrap up this year um, obviously december tends to be a one of the stronger months of the year and again following a very big november um, December tends to be on the positive side. and But, you know, part of this is is that some of that Santa Claus rally is now kind of behind us. It kind of got pulled forward because of the big sell-off in October. So, you know, the, the December gains may be somewhat more muted. Um, you know, it, it's not entirely unreasonable to expect a correction here, as we've been talking about, and then a rally into the end of the year as you do kind of window dressing for the winter, we kind of wind up right where we are now. So so maybe December winds up to be positive, but only barely. So we'll see. I mean, you know, anything's possible. But, you know, this is just kind of where we are within the cycle. But, you know, once you start kind of getting out into next year, this is where, you know, allocation is going to become a bit more tricky. Um, recession talk hasn't fully abated yet. It will most likely in the next, you know, couple of months, three months. We'll see. Um, that's depending, you know, depending on how economic data does. So if economic data continues to kind of stumble along here and kind of what we call muddle through, it's it's not great, but it's not poor. It's just kind of average. Then you're going to get less and less recession talk, kind of in 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 the economy. And a lot of that's already died down. So you know, we had a lot of recession talk back in 2022. 2023 was going to be the recession year. Um, didn't occur. 2024 is going to be the recession year. It hasn't occurred yet. We'll see. 
But if you get through most of 2024 without a without a quote unquote recession, it'll 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 die down. People will stop talking about it as much. Now that's you know that's going to be a kind of a benefit to asset prices. Once you kind of get that risk off the table, if that's the case. The other side of this is, of course, is the lag effect, right? So even the Federal Reserve keeps talking about, and, and Jerome Powell on Thursday talking about this lag effect in the economy and that it's not fully priced in yet. So they're expecting slower economic growth. And that's one of the reasons that they've kind of been on hold with rate hikes over the last, you know, really since June, July with their last meeting where they hiked a rate, they haven't done, done any since. You know, at the time, though, in June, July, August, September, October, interest rates were going up, asset prices were going down, and that was doing the job of tightening monetary policy. That's now been seen a, a very large reversal, right? So we've completely wiped out the 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 hike in interest rates on like the ten year Treasury went from five to four point two percent in a month. You know, so saw a big recovery and asset prices were back to the July highs the last time that the Fed hiked rates. So everything that had happened during the summer of tightening those those financial conditions, which would put pressure on the consumer, has now been completely reversed in a month. Now, one thing that Jerome Powell said, and this was when he gave his speech last week, and, and this was very telling. And again, something that we've talked about here on the show is that you know, I'm a little cautious about Jerome Powell right now because of the fact that as you start to look into where we are currently and taking a look at these financial conditions, et cetera, all of a sudden he's not in as good of a position as he was just a month ago. And this is something that was in the Financial Times um, actually this morning was an article and talking about Jerome Powell and, and you know, what's in, and I'm trying to find this exact quote. Give me one second here. This was a, a statement from Powell on Friday. He said, it would be premature to conclude that we have achieved a sufficiently restrictive stance or to speculate on when policy might ease. We are prepared to tighten policy further if it becomes necessary. Now, that's a pretty clear message that, you know, they're willing to continue to hike rates here if the markets don't start behaving a bit. The markets are pricing in 130 basis points of rate cuts as of Friday. So, again, you know, we talked about before, why would the Fed cut rates? Well, the Fed cuts rates when you either have, you know, economic weakness heading towards deflationary pressures. The Fed doesn't want deflation, right? They do want inflation. They want inflation running at about 2%. They don't want deflation. So they're going to cut rates if they start seeing recessionary pressures, you know, uh, much weaker than, than desired economic growth, right? Economic growth below 2%. They don't want that. Or if there's some type of financial strain, credit markets, et cetera. So that's why the Fed would cut rates. They're not going to cut rates just because. And if the markets are rallying and loosening financial conditions, and again, you know, this is, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot of times before, is that, you know, Ben Bernanke 2010, that the reason they do QE is to 
raise asset prices to boost consumer confidence, which feeds into the economy. So if if rising asset prices boost consumer confidence, and if we see an uptick in consumer confidence, that's not what the Fed wants to see in order to cut rates. Now, they may not hike rates, but they may not cut rates either. So so this is all kind of potentially setting them. The markets are kind of setting themselves up for disappointment. We saw this a lot in 2022. Markets would rally. And then the Fed would have to come out and go, hey, we're hiking rates more. We're we're not we're not near done yet. And then the markets would sell off and then the markets would start rallying again on expectation that maybe the Fed was done. And then the Fed would have to come out and say, nope, slap them around a little bit. We're not done yet. And so the markets have been doing this to them themselves over the course of the last couple of years. You know, uh, Jerome Powell's kind of in the, the position of the beatings will continue until morale improves, right? And the markets aren't getting that message. So, so the point here is this is one thing just to be a little bit aware of. That, the, the, you know, when we talked about this, you know, that Fed meeting on, on next Wednesday, I would not be surprised. I'm not saying he will. Right. I'm not saying he's going to you know, do anything out of the ordinary because the, he may see something else going on in the, in, the, in the markets or the economy that we don't see. But I just think there's a higher than likely probability that he's going to have a, 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 a kind of refocus on this statement that it's too soon to speculate on rate cuts. In other words, their job on fighting inflation is not done yet. So again, that, that recession talk is going to be important as we get ready to go in the next year. And again, I've got an article coming out this uh, next week talking a little bit more about this. But Friday's article was just a review of our recessionary indicators. And those recessionary indicators are not, you know, getting any, any better, really. We are seeing a bottoming in some of these indicators, um, you know, like leading economic indicators, as an example, they are showing a bottom. But we're still in negative territory. We're still at levels that are normally recessionary in nature. We haven't had a recession yet, but they're there. A lot of the manufacturing indexes have gotten softer. ISM uh, manufacturing uh, last week was actually weaker than expected, came in at 46.7 versus 47.5. Still in contraction territory. So there's the inverted yield curve still inverted, right? We haven't uninverted yet. And, and that's, a, that's a key because it's the uninversion of the yield curves that typically coincide with a recession, not the actual inversion. So there's still indicators out there saying, hey, recession risk is, is likely. And I think that's something you can't dismiss entirely particularly where interest rates are right now and considering the amount of debt that people have and there's not really any new round of funding or stimulus coming into the economy at this point. We'll see. But these are the things that we, I think are important. Um, you know, so with that in mind, right, a couple of things to be mindful of technically. The S&P Equal Weight Index, which has been the big laggard this year, is the most overbought it's been since twenty the summer of 2020. And that's happened in a month, right? Just It was just a massive flood of money. Uh, we're coming off a period of historic, you know, kind of easing uh, that collapse in, in yields was a very dramatic decline in financial conditions. 
that decline in interest rates, that decline in, in the, or that increase in financial easing, right, led to the rip in equities. But the question now is how much, you know, how much further can yields fall in the current environment? Now, if you get into a recession, yields are going to go towards 1%, right? So they've got a long way to go from 4.2 to 1 is a long way to go. But they're likely not going to go there right now. And especially if the Fed's not going to hike rates, I would expect that rates are going to go up over the next month versus, you know, the, the probability is higher interest rates over the next month or two versus lower. Because rates are so overbought right now. Bonds are very overbought right now. Sentiment index, the uh, bullish retail investors are back as bullish as they've been at any previous market high, going back to July as a good example. They went from uber bearish in October to uber bullish in a month. So, again, just be careful. If you're super bullish on the markets right now, this is a great time to take some profits, kind of rebalance your portfolio a bit, have a little bit of extra cash on the sidelines. Then we'll figure out what to do next. Okay, come back. We'll wrap up the show. Talk about what's coming up this week. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Welcome back to the show this morning. So a couple of things here real quick, just to, as we kind of get ready to, you know, launch into this week. Uh, futures are down a little bit this morning. Not surprising again at all. Um, but a couple of things. Uh, so got really don't have much in the way in terms of earnings. Uh, about the only notable company out today of any consequences, GitLab's. Um. But outside of that, we're, we're really kind of wrapping up earnings season. We have factory orders out today. Um, October is expected to be a negative 2.7% versus 2.8% pre positive 2.8% previously. So we'll see if factory orders are slowing down any durable goods orders uh, for the October uh, uh, October month final reading there at a negative 5.4% in line with the previous uh, announcement. Tomorrow, of course, then you've got a few more earnings tomorrow. Uh, Sana, AutoZone, um, Box, Dave & Buster's, Designer Brands, Smuckers, Neo, Toll Brothers. Uh, but we're getting ready to wrap up. I'm pretty much the vast majority of the uh, of the market has reported earnings. So it'll be just kind of a dribble on earnings here for the next, really, uh, couple of weeks as we get ready to wrap up the month. But... You know, the, the big numbers are going to be the ISM services index, which is tomorrow. So we have manufacturing on Friday. You have services tomorrow. Um, services remains in expansion. Now, this is an important thing, right? So 
a lot of the read on ISM manufacturing, I heard a lot of people talking over the weekend, like, oh, the manufacturing index is still in contraction territory, recession coming, etc. You got to be careful with that. Manufacturing only makes up about 20% of the U.S. economy today. It used to be 80% back in the 70s was manufacturing. Today it's about 20. Services makes up about 80% of the economy. So if you want to take a look at the read on the economy, and we when we use this composite, I've run this composite before for you on the show and, and articles I've written on the website. It's, a, it's part of our, our economic composite index that uh, we produce on a regular basis. But if you take a look at the composite index, now you have to, you have to weight that index. 80% services, 20% manufacturing. If you weight it relative to the economy, the economy is doing okay. Now, it's not doing great, right? But it's slightly positive. It's, it's slightly above contractions, like 50.2. It's right on the line, but it's still in an expansion territory. So services are key to where we are because we do so many, you know, we do so much more in services. Everything that you do today pretty much is a service type thing. So we don't, you know, we just don't have that much of a dependency on manufacturing more because we've outsourced so much of it. But, you know, services drive the economy. So if that number comes in, it's expected to come in at 52.5 versus 51.8. Give that an 80% weight, 20% to the manufacturing number. You're still doing okay. And then, of course, Friday is the big employment number. That's, that's going to be the market mover. If that number is super weak, again, we have, a, we have a very weak number like we had last month. You know, that's really what sparked this rally in November was that much weaker than expected employment number, which immediately moved the market into expecting Fed rate cuts. So if the employment number comes in stronger than expected on Friday, that's not going to be great for stocks because that's going to put the market back on, oh, the Fed's going to have to keep you know, either hold rates here or hike rates more. And that's going to be right ahead of, and look, and, and Jerome Pallery has this employment data, right? Which is, I think, why he made the statement that he made on uh, last week, talking about, you know, the, the economy is not anywhere near the place that we need to be for cutting rates. They're still focused on rate hikes. And I think he, and he already has the employment number, so it's, it's either in line or not terrible. Is the point, but that's going to be a big that'll be a big mover. If that if that number surprises the entire market to the downside, much weaker than expected, then you know, well, it, I would expect a, a a sharp rally in stocks and a decline in yields. If it's stronger than expected or in line, you know, we're probably going to see more weakness. The risk, as we've been talking about this morning, is to the downside right now. That's where the risk is. Because the markets are just so overbought. And this goes for gold, it goes for Bitcoin, it goes for stocks, it goes for bonds. It's every asset class. It was an everything rally over the last month. It's just way ahead of itself. You're going to have a correction in all these asset classes. Just be aware. Now, again, doesn't mean everything's going to fall out of bed and we're going to be down 20% by the end of the month. That's not going to happen either. But expect a bit of a pullback, right? And then a rally into the end of the year. Still very much the case. First five days of January, expect a rally. People putting money to work. 
after that, I have no idea, right? Because, again, we're going to start getting into 2024 dynamics at that point and, and trying to figure out what the economy is going to do, what the Fed's going to do. We'll be back into that game again. But it's all about jobs leading up to Friday. Got a little bit of economic data, a little bit of earnings data this week. Nothing major, but Friday's the number. We'll get ADP out. We'll get jobless claims out on Thursday. Jobless claims, good example there, too. Like the, the initial claims each week are still at very low levels. So we're not having mass terminations, right? We're not seeing mass layoffs. But remember, initial claims are, hey, I just got fired. I go file for a claim of unemployment the first time. That's an initial claim. Continuing claims, those people that keep filing you know, every week or every period whenever they, they have to file, that number's creeping up. We were at like 1.6 million, and we're at 1.9 million now. So we may not be having mass terminations at this point, mass layoffs, but people aren't getting hired back. So they're hitting their initial claim, and then they kind of disappear into the continuing claims role. And we don't pay a lot of attention to continuing claims, but that number is ticking up. And that's something worth paying attention to because that generally precedes an uptick in the unemployment rate. And we're getting to that point in those continuing claims that you're about to start seeing potentially a sharper uptick in the unemployment rate going into next year. We'll see. Um, outside of that, as uh, you know, there's you know not anything. You know, this really kind of been a boring couple of weeks, right? I mean, I've, I've actually had trouble writing stuff over the last really two weeks because there hasn't been anything just falling out of bed that, you know, it, it kind of warrants attention one way or the other. Everything's kind of gone quiet for the most part. It's been a very strong, like I said, obviously very strong rally, but there hasn't been a big driver, right? So... It's been tough to, to write, you know, blog posts, et cetera, over the last you know, week or so because it's been this very kind of muted environment. It's kind of a wait and see thing. And, you know, eventually something's going to come out of bed and we're going to have to, you know, we'll, we'll obviously have stuff to talk about. But it's just been very boring. There's not been, you know, there's, there's still a lot of people running around waving their hands, hair on fire, et cetera. But it's just been tough to find something interesting to write about. That's when we, we wrote about the stock market correction before the year-end rally on Tuesday. We wrote about, we updated recessionary indicators on Friday because it's just nothing going on at the moment. I think we'll have something over the next week or so. We'll have plenty to write about, but it just hasn't happened yet. So anyway, a um, couple other things, just kind of uh, general house cleaning as we get ready to wrap up the year. Um, you know, if you need to do RMDs, do it now. Those are your required minimum distributions. Don't wait till the last minute. Um, every advisory firm, us included, we get very, you know, first of all, you know, we try to let our staff off to have the holidays like everybody else. And so they want to be able to enjoy their holidays. So if you need to do RMDs, if you need to do, you know, uh, you know, IRA contributions, whatever it is that you need to do before the end of the year, do it before the end of the, you know, do it now. Don't wait until the last two weeks of December when right in the middle of the holidays. Like, oh, yeah, I need to, to do this because, you know, it, it, you may have trouble getting it done because people are going to be gone on the holidays and, you know, they're going to be backlogged because most people wait till the last minute. So if you want to make sure and get it done, 
do your RMD now. You know, you know, if you need to open an account, do it now. If you need to fund an IRA for this year, whatever, you know, do it now. Uh, just go ahead and do some of those things now sooner than later. Don't wait till the very last minute. You'll appreciate it. They'll appreciate it. And it'll make sure it gets done on time. You know, there's always this big mass rush on the 30th of December. It's like, oh, I've got to get this done. <laughs> it's like you run the risk of not getting it done before year end if it needs to be done. So just just be just be aware of that. Be nice to your advisor. They will appreciate it. <laughs> so um, we are about to get into a, a stretch of holidays here. Obviously, Christmas coming up, the New Year's right around the corner. So market volume is going to lighten up here a lot over the course. Really starting about December the 15th, market volume is going to lighten up a lot because most of your professional traders are going to be out on holidays. As we talked about before, they run off to the Humptons and they're spending their weekends. Um, so that's going to lead to potentially increased volatility. And that's why you also have these potential drawdowns in the first couple of weeks of December. As we talked about, you know, mutual funds make their distributions, but they're also making their distributions into lighter volume equity markets, So, which potentially leads to more volatility. So, uh, oh, very quickly, too, mutual funds. Every year, I get a rash of people emailing me about how their mutual fund had this massive drop in one day this time of the year. That's because of the distributions. Don't freak out. If your mutual fund, if you own a mutual fund, those investments with five letters on them, if you own a mutual fund that's down like a dollar one day or a full percent or whatever, that's the distribution coming out of the fund. You'll get the cash in a couple of days or you'll get the shares if you're dividend reinvesting. But don't freak out over a big decline in your mutual fund that doesn't correspond with the market. That's just the distribution. All right. Have a great day. I'll see you back here tomorrow for the next edition of The Real Investment Show. Be sure to go by the website, like the channel, and subscribe. We appreciate it very much. Get by the website. We've got new blogs coming out this week. Everything's back in action now that I'm back from uh, being the one-eyed pirate for a week. <laughs> so we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>